What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. It's episode number two. Unless it's uh, me I'm and pretty Baby sure it's counting. three. Three? Yeah. Last week was episode two. Was it? You you know what? You're right. We've done so many of these that we could never post. Um, Man, so yeah, listen, you ain't got to tell three. all our business. It's episode three. Man, we've been working on this for six months. Yeah, and <laughs> matter of fact, we've been working on this for a year. Okay, so that sets uh, the standard too high coming out. Like, oh, this <laughs> this shit better be great then. Okay, so we, we we had a lot of practice time. So, episode number three. Um, hopefully, y'all enjoyed last week. Uh, to get us started this week, we're going to start off with a college football recap we had opening weekend, which is always fun. Let's us know that fall is right around the corner. Um, big week for the SEC. Um, then we'll get into the NFL, who which opens up tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, and the opening matchup for the NFL is tomorrow on Thursday, the Eagles-Falcons. And then last, we'll touch on um, Colin Kaepernick and Nike, and we'll touch on the NBA Hall of Fame. That's this weekend, but... Uh, Beatty, what's up, man? Nothing, man. Nothing. You enjoy those games this weekend? I did. Um, I was getting ready to go to the, the Razorback game, but when I was doing yard work before the game, I decided it's too damn hot still. Okay? <laughs> Couldn't do it. So yeah. I had a beer, grilled out, watched it on my couch, was just as happy. So um, I didn't get to see as many games as I wanted to because we were on like a little resort trip. Only one TV, a lot of women. So after the OU game, they kind of got sick of it. So I had to just duck in and out of a couple of games. Didn't really get to watch it like I had hoped. Did you hit anywhere fun at least? Well, we were out in Norfolk, Arkansas on the lake. It was cool. Kept Is that playing. by Mountain Home? Yeah, right outside okay. of Mountain Home. So that that's the lake that I'm always at too. So I know exactly. I, I knew that looked familiar when uh, you posted that on your, on your Instagram because I'm always oh, okay. there. So. Yeah. Um, good man. I'm glad glad you had a good Labor Day. Hopefully everyone else did as well. Let's get to the real meat and potatoes here. Let's talk about some sports. Um, big letdown for the ACC, uh, in particular those Florida teams. Um, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It was a tough weekend for the ACC in general. It was, and you know people talked about the SEC maybe being down this year. Um, I was not on board with that. I think the SEC is going to be just as strong as it has been. Um, now, keep in mind, a lot of these teams played cupcake schools. You know, yeah, Alabama played Louisville, who's not a cupcake, but they're certainly not on Alabama's level. Georgia played nobody, basically. Uh, Auburn-Washington was a great game, and Auburn was able to pull that out. Um, and we'll touch on that just a little bit more in a bit. But, you know, a lot of these SEC teams, you know, some of them look great. Some of them look middle of the road. And, you know, Tennessee got their, their butts whooped by uh, West Virginia pretty good. But um, first-year coach, uh, is it John Pruitt, David Pruitt? I don't know his name. I think it's David Pruitt from Alabama. But that's to be considered. They're, I mean, they're, they're going to be a young team. And But overall, I, th- I thought it was a pretty exciting weekend. Yeah, and with Bama, I look at the same route, same way I look at the OU win. It's not like, you know, a big game, but the fact that you dominated that type of team in the way that you dominated speaks volumes. Louisville isn't a, a college football playoff contender, but that's a good team with Petrino, and they typically can score points. For Alabama to just dominate them in the first half, I don't think they scored in the first half. Uh, it's still impressive to let you know that they're still there. And, and Alabama with Tua back there, 
I mean, it looked like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But overall, the SEC went 13-1. and one. So can't be really yep. mad. Tennessee wasn't supposed to beat West Virginia. So, I mean, overall, I think they were really impressive. What was your favorite game of the weekend? Like, what was the best game you watched? Um, I'd probably have to say Auburn Washington, and and that it was a struggle to watch for a little while. It was it was definitely a defensive struggle, but it kind of let me know that well, even though Washington may have lost this game, I still think that they can make the college football playoff. I mean, that defense is good. Um, not not to say that Auburn you know is always going to be a barn burner when it comes to offense, but they can be, and you know they they put up. Uh, quite a fight and I, I wouldn't be as surprised if, if you know Washington ends up in the college football playoff uh, when it's all said and done so that was a great game the Michigan Notre Dame game was okay um, I just think Michigan is consistently overrated just every year in year out I just think I don't see what the I think if Jim Harbaugh wasn't there they would never be a ranked team see but I think Jim Harbaugh is overrated I think his offense is what really holds them back their their defense is pretty legit they always get the athletes most of their recruiting class that are top 10, 15 recruiting classes on the defensive end, they just can't figure out offense. They got that transfer quarterback in that was supposed to change things, but the From offense, yep. yeah, but it just looks sloppy. They don't look organized. It doesn't even look like they practice offense. They look terrible out there. Yeah, I mean, legitimately not a good showing for Michigan. Um, and I think the score was a lot closer than the game was. Um but, yeah, I mean, Michigan's defense is, is, is good. But, I mean, you know, I, I thought that watching the game, it felt like a blowout, to be yeah. honest with you. It didn't uh, feel like it was as close as it was. Right. So, um, one quick note, though, I do remember being shocked, and I caught the end of this game, was the Penn State-Appalachian State game. And Penn State almost fell into that trap that Appalachian State, they always pull it out like once every six or seven years. They get somebody, and they almost got number 10 Penn State this weekend. Man, the Big Ten, I think, is, I don't know what's the fascination with the Big Ten. People want the Big Ten to be the SEC so bad. I think they came in in the top 25 with like five or six teams ranked, and Penn State struggled against Appalachian State. Uh, Michigan State struggled against someone. I think they only won by seven. Michigan looked terrible. I mean, they consistently get the – and Wisconsin, they're good, but they have the weakest schedule they in college football. They always have a very garbage schedule. It's it's terrible. Now, the one thing is they do have, I believe, Michigan State and Penn State on the schedule this year. But after what we saw this weekend, seems like their schedule still weak because Penn State yeah. is destined to have three losses, it appears. Um, right. But the, the most intriguing game to me was definitely the Auburn-Washington game. I still think, like you, I still think Washington will make the college football playoff. Washington receivers, I really like Washington receivers. They were making some catches. But yeah. Auburn's defensive line just dominated. They couldn't score in the red zone. I think their kicker missed two or three kicks. They just couldn't get it done in the red zone. And when you're playing a legit team like Auburn, you have to get some points when you get in the red zone. You can't come away empty. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think – but I, I always give kudos to teams who are willing to start off that strong. I mean, because, let's face it, outside of maybe USC, Auburn's going to be the hardest team that uh, Washington has to face all year. And I, I'm not even convinced USC is any good. So Well, they do uh, play Stanford at the end of the year, and you're going to get Stanford's a good— Stanford's always tough, yeah. But you'll get a good basis this week of where the Pac-12 is at because USC plays Stanford this week. And that's right. gonna. And the only other game, I mean, everybody's a 
everybody's competition. But the only legit threat I saw to Washington is Stanford at the end of the season and whoever's in the Pac-12 championship game. Right. So, I, before we move on to, to week two's previews, I just want to kind of touch on, um, yeah, Florida State and Miami both looked very bad. I mean, ve- like, straight up incompetent. Uh, Miami, more so on the Florida Miami State. more. I thought Miami looked worse than Florida State. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I just felt like Florida State's offense, it looked like they just didn't practice at all. It looked like, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, they just ran up against a really good defense in LSU, which is possible, but, I mean, they just got stomped. So you're talking about Miami, then, if you're talking about a really good defense. Sorry. Uh, uh, what am I? Uh, Virginia Tech, I'm sorry. Okay. So Virginia yeah. Tech, the thing that I think went against, like, Virginia Tech, they looked good. But they look young. I really think Miami's loss looked worse because Florida State, they did look like they were kind of out of sync. That quarterback, he's coming back from an injury last year, first game back. He's still rusty. Wasn't great when he was there before in the first game against Bama last year. Didn't they play Bama first game last year? Yeah. And he got hurt. Yeah. So I'll give them a little bit of leeway because Virginia Tech looked like they were just playing with a lot of energy, that youth energy going at a different speed, but it looks like something that Florida State can rebound from. Miami LSU, Miami looked like they didn't even deserve to be ranked. They came in ranked eighth, and they looked completely incompetent. As you said, they could have been going up against a good LSU team, but that team looked terrible. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, you know, and and it, you know, the rankings reflect that. They went from number eight to number 22 um, because they just looked like uh, pure atrocity so um, I'd be curious to see if they can bounce back from that um, you know I don't believe that I just don't believe Miami's any good I, I think this about Mark Richt every single year um, that he's got so much talent but he's just a I think he's just a, a coach who will get you to eight nine ten wins every year but I don't think he's a coach who's ever going to win you the big game so we talk about Harbaugh and we talk about Rick as underachievers and I just feel like it is unfair that Todd Herman isn't getting more heat. And I don't care if it is his second year, because I remember Charlie Strong got a lot of heat his second year. Oh, yeah. Why Shit, he got Todd, a lot of heat his first year. Yeah, why is Todd Herman not? I've, I'm on record of saying I believe Todd Herman was overrated. And I believe he's overrated because that Houston team he had, that team was literally ready to win 10 games. And most coaches that go to Houston, even when they come from Arkansas State or wherever, go 10 games in that conference. He had like four losses that year. He beat OU, yes. But he had like four bad losses on a senior team with a senior quarterback. And then you go to Texas, you have a bad year last year. And then this year, you get upset the first game of the season. By the same team that Merit. upset you same last team. year, first game of the season. That's unacceptable. No, I agree. I, I think, you know, Texans fans Texas fans were so happy when they uh, got Mark Herman, or excuse me, uh, Tom Herman. And uh, it, I was never impressed with the dude. He doesn't have the resume to back it up. Yeah, okay, he worked under Urban Meyer. You know, yeah, he did this in Houston. But, I mean, to be honest with you, it just – Never, I, I thought they should have gone with Charlie Strong yet another year. Um, I, I put it this way: I think that the way that Texas did Charlie Strong, they deserve everything that they're going to get with Tom Herman because I don't think he's that good of a coach. Yeah, and I don't think Ellinger, whoever that quarterback is, that dude makes the worst decisions I've seen in college football. He's definitely the definition of a gunslinger because he'll get you in the game and then lose the game for you every time. 
I just don't trust that whole team. But anyways, let's move on to the week two preview. I did have a question, though. I'm looking at the teams in the first week. There looks like there's going to be a conference that's going to be left out again. I mean, it's, it's a power five, but it's, it's, it's tight competition this year at the top ranks for those four spots. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I don't know. I think that, like I said, for me, I think two SEC teams get in, and I think that um, I think Clemson gets in. I for me, I think it's just one spot that's open. I, I don't Bro, know I if don't, it's going to be Georgia. I don't know if it's going to be um, Auburn, I, but I think one of those two teams is going to get that second spot. I just don't see how they're going to justify this unless something crazy happens. It's going to be hard to justify two SEC teams getting in this year. And the schedule is not even made for two SEC teams to get in unless Georgia is really good. Because usually Georgia has a light schedule, and then they come into the SEC championship game. This year, they have Auburn and they have LSU, including whoever they have to play in the SEC championship game. Then Alabama, they have everybody in the SEC West. So they'll probably get through undefeated, one loss, whatever. But Georgia is usually the team that has the best potential. Auburn and LSU are going to beat up each, on each other because they play each other. They play Georgia, and they play Alabama. No way they're coming out undefeated. So I don't see how the SEC can get two teams in this year. We'll see. I, You know, strange things have happened and money talks. So Yeah, you're right um, about that. So who's your so, marquee matchups for the week two? Well, we all know week two is usually cupcake week in college football, so um, a lot of these matchups, unless you're Wisconsin, which every week is cupcake week for you, uh, <laughs> because once again, they're playing New Mexico. Um, so anyway, but um, so we don't have a lot of ranked teams playing each other. Actually, I think there's only one matchup where, where ranked teams are facing off, and um, that there's is going to be... Is it two? Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's uh, South Carolina and... Um, Georgia. And Georgia. Then you Basically. got USC, oh, and, USC and Stanford. Stanford. That's yeah. right. Okay. So, I mean, those two, I, I'm definitely going to want to watch the USC-Stanford game um, just to kind of see where the Pac-12 is and where they stand. And uh, I think Stanford is always a good team. I think they've got – I think David Shaw is a great coach. But for whatever reason, they just never can get over the hump. So, I'm curious to see what they look like this year. I'm not a believer in USC. Um, but we'll, you know, they they always have the talent, so I'd be interested interested to see how that goes. Um, well, USC looks like I like their quarterback. They look like they're primed for a good season. Stanford, I think they kind of proved themselves because is his name Bryce Love. He didn't have a great game, but they have a really good receiver. I don't know his name. I believe he's number nineteen. A really good. He reminds me of Golden Tate. He's not really fast, but he makes a lot of tough catches. So I like Stanford. I like USC. I think this is going to go a long way to determining where the Pac-12 is. Um, also, the big game, Georgia versus South Carolina. That's going to be big because Georgia, I really don't think Georgia has any room for error. If Georgia loses early, then that really just throws a wrench in the whole SEC because I don't think they're going to beat Auburn and LSU. And then I'm also intrigued about that Clemson-Texas A&M game. I was going to point that one out as well. Yeah, just because Clemson has no room for error either because that conference is going to have a weak schedule and they're going to beat up on each other too. Clemson's their only hope. So if Clemson loses one, then the ACC will be in real danger of not getting anybody in. I mean, you can almost guarantee it. If Clemson's, Clemson loses to Texas A&M, which is in the first year of the Jimbo Fisher era, who's really, I mean – as much as you don't want to say rebuilding in college, I mean, they're kind of in a 
in flux state. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's no really no margin for error, and I think Clemson loses if they lose to a Texas A&M team that's not very good. I think they're going to have a real hard case for getting in. Other than that, man, there's not a lot of matchups this year. I mean, UCLA Oklahoma could be. Um, a good matchup of course last week we witnessed the return of chip kelly to college but i don't think much is expected out of chip kelly this year it's one of those well let's see him two or three years down the road once he gets his system in place and the players that he wants uh, in the building man i don't think you ucla has a chance but then again i'm an ou homer and i love the fact that we held florida atlantic to zero points in the first half and i know people are going to say well they're bums they play lower competition they were 11-3. and three. They're coached by Lane Kiffin. Traditionally, OU is so focused on scoring points, we don't care about defense. So the fact that we were able to shut down a whole offense for a half with our starters shows that we are serious this year. And I was hoping this is how they would come out. So I don't think UCLA has a chance. I think OU rolls easily. And Chip Kelly, he used to be a dominant college coach, but the NFL has just messed him up completely where he doesn't even know how to call games. He made some ridiculous call. I think there was like a fourth and one um, on their side of the field or something, and he went for it with like four minutes left. I mean, he just made some horrible calls during that game. I'm just going to take some – I think it's going to take him some time to adjust to get – I mean, because as much as people want to say football is football, and, you know, college football is – it's almost a completely different sport from the NFL. It really is. So it's going to – I whatever happens in UCLA this year – it's a wash for me. I think it's going to take him a year to adjust, a year to you know get used to being on the West Coast. And L.A. has a ton of talent in it, so he's going to always get the recruits that maybe he wasn't able to get. I mean, think about what he was doing with three stars and four stars at uh, Oregon. Imagine what he's going to be able to do with, with four stars and five stars at, at UCLA. So um, I'm willing to give Chip Kelly a And it's not that I think he's the greatest coach ever. I don't believe that. I think he's a really good college coach, though. And I think that – Whatever happens this year is a wash. Year two is when I'll really start to look at him and say, all right, what, what do we have going on here? Bro, I will never in my whole entire existence on earth or if I come back give Chip Kelly a pass <laughs> ever again. I'm an Eagles fan. He set our organization back about three years. He traded my favorite player, LaShawn McCoy, and gave away Deshaun Jackson for nothing. So he gets no passes. But that is a good well, way to transition into the NFL. No, 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 no. I, I barely even want to talk about the NFL this week. Uh, so for those of y'all that know me, know that I'm an Oakland Raiders fan. And it's hard to put into words what I felt this morning. Or, or shit, Saturday morning. When I woke up to... He was uh, discombobulated, man. <laughs> I was texting all types of... And saying all types of incoherent shit for most of the day, really. Uh, I was talking about burning all my Raiders shit. I've got an Oakland Raiders tattoo. I was talking about burning my arm off. Like, I was just... <laughs> I mean, I was mad. So, Devastation. for those of you who have been under a rock for the past, you know, four or five days, the Oakland Raiders decided to trade Khalil Mack, our best player on the team, not best player on defense, on the team, uh, to the Chicago Bears for uh, two first-round draft picks, a third-round draft pick, and a fifth-round draft pick, which we also gave them a second-round draft pick. Um, That's a Chip Kelly trade, just FYI. Whatever reason, John Gruden decided to – I mean, first I was upset 
because I just don't believe I would have paid paid Khalil Mack before I paid Derek Carr. However, That's Derek ridiculous. Carr got paid first, so Khalil Mack. I mean, it just you look at the Detroit Lions a few years ago, and you just can't tie up. And then Amari Cooper's coming up next year, so you can't tie up. You could let him three go. Three players. I would let Amari Cooper walk in a fucking heartbeat. But um, you know, so. It's just one of those things where I would have figured out a way to keep Khalil Mack. Um, Oakland is one of the most cash-poor teams in the NFL. Not really an excuse. Uh, I am okay with the trade now, um, although Oakland's not terribly great at drafting players, and I feel like anytime you do draft players, you want them to fucking turn into Khalil Mack. But anyway, um, I just think that, you know, anytime you can get more players to fix more holes on the team, I, you know, at some point you got to support it because the fact is, no, our defense was not good with Khalil Mack um, on the team. And, yes, the defense probably will be bad with Khalil Mack off the team. So anytime you get more bullets in the gun to draft, uh, you know, you get four, four first-round draft picks essentially in the next two years, um, you know, I'm all for it. And you save $23 million in cash space, which is a really big deal. Bro, did you go to therapy? Because I'm impressed with your maturity on this issue. Because I was kind of disappointed with you over the weekend. But I was going to let you get it out. <laughs> but I was going to tear your ass a new one on this podcast. You came with that. Should have paid him a fucking $100 million guaranteed, $80 million. That's you know, ridiculous. And what people don't understand is that the reason that the, the Bears can make this trade and the reason that the Rams can pay Aaron Donald, the reason that Seattle was able to be as successful as they were was because they had quarterbacks on rookie deals. So, you know, you saw what happened as soon as Russell Wilson got paid. Yeah, that defense started to age, but they also couldn't pay everybody. And so people had to walk. Seattle had to kind of crumble. Um, in about three years, Aaron Donald, somebody is going to be Somebody's gonna have to pay for that Aaron Donald contract when they have to pay Jared Goff. So, yep. um, you know, and same it's not thing. gonna be in three years. It's like a year from now he can get yeah, an extension. So soon, you know, they're gonna have to. They're gonna be financially strapped. But LA's in win win now mode. They've got a chance to get to the Super Bowl this year, so they say. And um, I think that's a good move. Chicago is still rebuilding, but they've got three more years of Mitchell Trubisky um, on that cheap court on that cheap rookie QB deal. So. They're just different circumstances. Again, I point to the Detroit Lions when they had a ton of money tied up in Calvin Johnson and Dominican Sue and uh, Matthew Stafford. They were just strapped for cash, and they couldn't do anything, really. They weren't even a competitive team. Well, since it was the Raiders, I went ahead and let you vent. And since you sound more maturity, more mature than you did this weekend, I'm not going to really dig too deep into it because who gives a fuck about the Raiders? But Fair. number one, you have to pay Derek Carr. And even though you pay Derek Carr, and it looks like a lot of money right now. You see these new quarterback contracts. That oh, it's come a bargain out, deal. He's on discount. Yeah. He's definitely, you guys definitely got a discount by being able to sign him before Kirk Cousins and all these other people sign. So you guys are in good shape in the quarterback situation, even though you're paying him like, what, 23, 24 mil or something like that. Yeah. Um, secondly, I would never, ever, I don't care how good the defensive player is, I would never commit $100 million guaranteed to any defensive player ever. I thought committing that much money to Von Miller was crazy. I think he only got like 60 or something. There's no way because defensive players do not impact the game unless you have several defensive players. 
Ray right. Allen was only able to not Ray Allen. Uh, Ray Lewis was only able to do that because he had stars all over that defense. Suggs, Nada, all kinds of players that helped him out. Raiders don't have that. There's no way they should commit that type of money. You don't commit quarterback money to the defense unless you're a set team ready to go. And number three, like you said, the Raiders aren't winning anything in the next three years. So you definitely want, don't want to get that dude $100 million in the first three years when you probably won't win shit. And then by the time it's ready to produce, he's going to be on the downswing where a young person probably already took his position. I, I wouldn't just, go that I, far, but... I just <laughs> I mean, don't believe in Khalil Mack. He didn't make your defense elite at any point in time, so I just don't believe Khalil him. Mack is a walking Hall of Famer. But the, the issue with, with the Raiders' defense was that since Khalil Mack's been in the league, they haven't had a real defensive coordinator because um, Ken North Jr. was unqualified. Jack Del Rio is an awful head coach, and they—I mean—they they had not had a real defensive coordinator. And this dude is running high school defensive schemes. So, basically. so why doesn't good stats on bad teams count for Khalil Mack? Well, so go go back and look at if you guys are bored. We're going to move off the Raiders here because we spent too much time on them already. But if you're bored, once. Um, Ken Norton Jr. was fired last year over the last six games. The Raiders actually had a top five defense once uh, John Picano came into the scene and started calling the defensive plays. I mean, because Sean Smith came back and looked good. We had a really good defense going into the last five games. Now, Chargers mopped the floor with us, but the Raiders were trying to get a, a better draft pick at that point. Um, but the last five games of the season, the, the Raiders actually had a really good defense because they finally had a real defensive coordinator who made our corners look good, who made our line look good, who made our – I mean, we just looked a lot better. Um, so, I'm, I, I, like I said, I think you'll see in Chicago under Vic Fangio, uh, who's a defensive coordinator there, you're going to see Khalil Mack really unleashed again. I mean, he is a hell of a player, man. He really is. Um, so – Let's get to Marcus, it, man. Let's get to the opening weekend. Your who team, cares, man? The championship Eagles are playing tomorrow night. You should be excited team, to talk about a winner, somebody who just won a championship in dominating fashion instead of the Oakland Raiders. So we've got the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of people think this will be an NFC preview, uh, NFC championship preview. Um I'm not so sold on the Falcons. I think they're a good team. I think they've got a lot of talent around them. But uh, I think the Eagles season is going to rest, is going to lay on how soon Carson Wentz can get back. If it's a full season of Nick Foles, nah, son. Nah. It's not going to be a full season of Nick Foles. And even if so, Nick Foles can win 10 games just off scheme alone. But, I mean, I, I feel what the Eagles are doing. I mean, if, no, if you don't know, Carson Wentz isn't starting the first game. They're sitting them out. Um, Nick Foles will start the first game. Carson Wentz is recovering from a knee injury that he had in week 14 of last year. So he had an ACL and he had an MCL. They're saying that the ACL is healed, but they're concerned about the MCL because it takes longer to heal. I think that he's ready, but they're just being really cautious because he's an investment. And we have a championship. And plus our schedule, I believe our first four games are pretty light. You take away the Falcons, I believe it's like the Titans and the Colts and the Buccaneers or something. So it's not like this powerhouse schedule we're playing in the first four games. If Nick Foles played the first four games and we finished 2-2, two and two, I'd be completely ecstatic with that. So I'm not too concerned about Carson Wentz not playing. Uh, I do believe the Falcons will win this game. Eagles will come up extra hype, but we have real trouble guarding against Julio. Uh, Matt Ryan has trouble against us, but I just think the Falcons will win this game. But I don't think it'll bear. I don't think it'll have any bearing on how the Eagles will do ultimately this season. 
Yeah, um, you know, I'm excited for this weekend, man. I, I mean, we, we talk about fantasy. You and I are, are in a fantasy league together, and I'm I'm ready for fantasy football to get back going. And, and I'm just I'm just ready for the season all around. Is there are there any matchups that you're looking forward to besides the Eagles and the in the Falcons uh, to start off the weekend? Yeah, in general, I mean, there's not a lot of great matchups. I think the best matchup that I saw was Houston playing New England. That's going to be a good matchup because you want to see what Houston looks like at full strength. You hadn't really in the last two years saw what Houston looked like with a good quarterback at full strength. This could be a dominant team if they can just stay healthy. J.J. Watt and uh, Clowney on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, you got Deshaun Watson and Sam, Sammy. Uh, hold on. Deshaun Watson, Sammy Watkins. That looked no, like a fool. dynamic. What's, what's his name? <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre, who did I say? Sam, oh no, he plays for the Chiefs. He's <laughs> terrible. My bad. I apologize to DeAndre Hopkins for even making that mistake. But they both went to Clemson though. But yeah, I think that that's the most intriguing matchup. But I am interested in seeing that Cleveland and Pittsburgh matchup because I just believe Cleveland can win nine games. I'm not going to go as far as to say Cleveland can win nine games, but I definitely think that they are going to be a much improved team this year. They, they've got talent everywhere, everywhere. The one thing that missed me still with Cleveland is I wonder – I mean, I still think the dumbest thing they've done in the past two years was traded Danny Shelton for a bag of chips. But uh, other than that, like, I mean, they've got a ton of talent everywhere on that roster. So um, the t- it's, it's time to shine, and, and, and I think Pittsburgh – you never know what you're going to get with Le'Veon Bell um, in the first in the beginning of the season. It took him a while to round into form last year, so I, I think they're going to play a lot of James Conner. Ben Roethlisberger waffles on retirement every year, so you never know. Um, they are the definition of inconsistent half the time. So if there's a game that Cleveland could steal from Pittsburgh, it will be this one because I don't think they'll be able to get another one from them late in the season when, when Pittsburgh's pushing for the playoffs. So. And they're um, in Cleveland. There's going to be a lot of excitement for the Cleveland fans, so that should help. Yeah, there's a couple games that I, I would tune into. Um, San Francisco, Minnesota. I want to see what San Francisco's made of. You know, th- this is the first full season of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I want to see Kurt, what Kirk Cousins looks like in, in Minnesota. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is a really good quarterback. And you know, I don't. Some, well, yeah, a lot of people disagree. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he's a, a solid quarterback. Um and I also want to see what Jacksonville looks like against um, the Giants. I don't think the Giants are going to be very good, but they, again, they've got a good defense. Last year was a bad year. They had a bad coach. They've got some talent on the offense. Whether or not we like Eli is every year we do, every year we don't. So it's game to game with Eli, but uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Saquon Barkley looks like. And uh, yeah. you know, Saquon against the Jags like. is a tough opening matchup. It is for all you fancy folks out there. You better not forget Jacksonville's for real. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't take Saquon versus Jacksonville. Well, that jumps us into another segment. We're going to do studs and duds for the NFL fantasy. Who are your two? Who are your three studs for this week? For this week? Yeah, just this week. Uh, oh, well. Um, yeah, you sound disappointed. you know it's hard it's hard to go week to week but i think that one one fancy star now are we talking about rookies we talking about just someone that's just going off just three studs that are gonna produce that you think with surefire if you pick them who are your studs for this week that you can't go wrong with if you put them in the lineup i'm gonna go with the surprise at number one and this isn't any specific ranking but i'm gonna go with a real surprise for number one 
Who? Deion Lewis for the Tennessee Titans. I, I think he's going to. I think he's going to end up being the best running back on that team. I'm not a Derrick Henry guy. I think he's terrible. He runs slower than me. Um, so he's, a, I, he's I, an eagle, so I can agree with that. He's a former eagle. So I think Deion Lewis is going to be um, the guy to watch out for, not only this week but moving forward. I think he'll take the reins in, in the backfield there. Um, another one I, I think that people are going to be kind of shocked about is going to be Jarvis Landry. I, I know people are, are fascinated with Josh Gordon, um, you know, but it's been four years since we've seen anything out of that dude. Uh, I think that Josh, or excuse me, Jarvis Landry. I mean, the dude gets a hundred catches every single year. He's going to be that safety blanket year in, year out that you can depend on, especially for even if I don't care who the quarterback is, if it's Tyrod Taylor, if it's or Tyrod, if y'all follow that debate, mm-hmm. um, or Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, Jarvis Landry is your perfect safety blanket that is always not only going to get you catches if you're in a PPR league, but because he doesn't score a ton of touchdowns. But now that he's not the best receiver on his team, I think that that's that his numbers are going to go up even more. Yeah, I, I go with my three is Todd Gurley versus Oakland. Um, Oakland has had a decent run defense over the past couple of years. But still, I just don't think that they'll be able to contain Todd Gurley in the pass game or the run game. So I'm looking for Todd Gurley to have a huge game. Got to go with Julio Jones against my Eagles. Julio is going like he has four consecutive 100-yard games against the Eagles. We just don't have an answer for Julio, and we're going to struggle. Even if we have an improved secondary, Julio will get his yardage and his touchdowns. Uh, My sleeper pick. Is going to be Carlos Hyde versus the Steelers. I really think they are going to run the ball this year. And Carlos Hyde has always been an underrated runner. And Pittsburgh's run defense has not been very good lately. So I take Carlos Hyde to have a big game this weekend. Who's your three dud for the weekend that you would stay away from? Well, first of all, let me give you my last stud. Uh, I only did two. You talked for 45 minutes on the second I did, one. my bad. You know what? All right, so last but not least, uh, my stuff for the week is going to be Devontae Adams. Um, I don't think that Chicago's secondary is very good. Kyle Fuller is going to get the matchup, but Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, they go in they shred Green, or they go in and shred Chicago every year, so um, I don't expect but that to change. can Aaron Rodgers get it off with Hall of Famer, $100 million off, offensive line, I mean, outside linebacker Khalil Mack? remains to be seen he's got the quickest release in the in the league and he's still <laughs> you know we'll see so i think Devonte adams is going to shine as a true number one this week um and the rest of you're moving forward as far as duds go um i've already given one i think derrick henry's going to be a massive dud not just this week but for the entire year um i was never sold on him neither was i um another dud i think this week that people are expecting to uh really blow up is josh gordon um, I just, I, you know, I don't see it happening. He's not even starting this week, and people have already slotted him as that number one receiver uh, for the week. I, I just, I really don't see it happening. I think you're going to get more of what you saw last year. Um, I think he'll be better, but I don't think he's going to be that breakout, lead the league in receptions uh, stud that people, for some reason, are still expecting him to be. And then last, my number three is going to be, as we touched on earlier, Saquon Barkley. Um, while I do think he's going to be great, I think he's going to be dynamic. I think that Jacksonville defense is very for real. So, um, you know, he's going to have some tough sledding going into the first game. 
Well, I think my duds. I just want everybody to remember, yes, football is starting back, so everyone has a tendency to try to start the person from the Thursday night games. Don't overthink it. Do not start Nick Foles. I'm an Eagles fan. I'm telling you, Nick Foles is terrible outside. It doesn't matter if he's playing at home or not. He is not a good quarterback when he plays outside. Unless he's playing the Raiders. Unless he, no, right. no he's, he was terrible against the Raiders. He no, was, he threw seven touchdowns against the Raiders uh, at first. Yeah, year. yeah, that's different. That was L.A. You know, he's from, he's from like, California. So he was at home then. You know, the yeah. weather was perfect. Uh, my, 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 um, my other pick would be Kareem Hunt versus the Chargers. I think that Chargers defense is a improved. And I think also Kareem Hunt is going to be splitting carries by the end of the year with Spencer Ware. If people don't remember, last year Spencer Ware was a starter going into training camp. He just tore his ACL, leaving the door open for Kareem Hunt. Spencer Ware is a lot better than people realize, and I do think he's going to steal some carries from Kareem Hunt. My third one is Amari Cooper. I just don't believe in him going was, against that L.A. Rams. He was LA on my Rams. list, too. Yeah, L.A. Rams defense, Amari Cooper, stay away from that. I yep. would not test that at all. That defense it's, is way too good. It's funny that you said that because uh, I've got Amari Cooper in one of my fantasy leagues, and I was debate. I, I had him slotted to start, and I also have Royce Freeman, um, who I could have played as a flex. And I started looking at the matchup, and I, I look. I was like, "Yeah, Amari Cooper's gonna have a good year." And I looked, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my chance with Royce Freeman uh, because that, I think Amari Cooper's gonna get six points this this week tops." Yeah, that's what I did with Jimmy G. I got Jimmy G in a lot of my leagues, but then I'm just looking, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'll start Kirk Cousins this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so seriously, though, that that uh, I, if y'all are depending on Amari Cooper, good luck this week because it's going to be an ugly matchup. I don't care who's lined up against him, if it's Aqib Tlaib. I don't care if it's, uh, oh, boy, uh, what's his name? Joyner, I think. Oh, Marcus Joyner. Uh, Marcus Peters. Like, oh, yeah. I forgot they, he got, got Marcus everybody Peters. everybody over there. So, um, stay away. Those are our three duds, three studs. Let us know if y'all agree. Hit us up on the Instagram or the Twitter. Uh, and don't forget, uh, I want to throw this in there. Guys, talk about Josh Gordon and Landry. Antonio Callaway. Is that his name? Antonio Callaway, I believe. That mm-hmm. dude is a sleeper for the Browns. Especially yeah. if Baker Mayfield get in there. Callaway all, is a sleeper. He always sleep because he always high. So, <laughs> He hey, stay sleep. some of the best players are always high. That's why I hey, believe that's true. you know. Josh Gordon put up a, a billion-dollar season being high. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, man, before we get too far, um, we're, we're running up against it here. Let's real quick, let's talk about the Colin Kaepernick situation. Uh, so Nike decided to, to name him, um, basically put him on the face of, their, of one of their campaigns, um, along with Serena Williams and uh, – Basically, they got a lot of backlash for that. Uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are they knew they were going to get backlash, but they know their demographic. So the demographic that Nike targets, they are in all these high schools, and um, let's just say they, they target the African-American community. I mean, if you're talking about Jordans, Nikes, apparel, going into these football schools, they know their demographic. So all the people that are going to be saying these things, I'm turning in my Nikes, I'm not wearing Nike anymore, the vast majority are not going to be in their demographic. So that's what you're going to see on TV, but I guarantee this doesn't affect Nike sales. It'll probably increase Nike sales. So I think it was a genius move. I agree with that. Um, And I think that 
I, I get, I'm getting so tired, and I'm not. We're not going to go into this deep about the Colin Kaepernick or disrespecting the flag or the troops or anything. Because if you still think that, I just think you're a flat out idiot. I just really do. And you you only kind of hear what you want to hear. So there's really no point of going into it. Um, that's as speaking as somebody with military experience. Um, but I, I I commend Nike. Now, do I think Nike's a great organization? No. Um, because I know that they have a lot of issues with sweatshops in Asia. Uh, you know, they're very, they're known for how little they pay their workers. Um, just, I mean, you know, you talk about the Jordan brand. I, I mean, all of it. They, they're, Nike is, a, I mean, they're a big business and they are going to do big business things, which is usually pretty corrupt. Yeah. Um, however, I do like the fact that they're willing to bet on on black people as the face of their organization, whether it be Michael Jordan in 1985, whether it be Colin Kaepernick today, whether it be Serena Williams since she's been around, and Venus, uh, whether it be Tiger Woods, whether it be Kobe Bryant. I, I like the fact that they, whether it be LeBron James, I like the fact that they stand by their athletes and are willing to really, you know, they're one of the first ones who bet on black athletes uh, going way back to the 80s. Uh, so for that, well, I'm I not gonna I'm not them. gonna pat them on the back too hard. I'll give them Jordan, but the rest I just believe is marketing. They know their demographic. They know who's buying their shoes. They know who's buying their apparel. So I don't think they would be going out on the limb if their sales demographic was different. And that's the problem for a lot of these uh, vendors that are supporting the NFL. I mean, what's your what's your demographic? What are you targeting? Some people, even if they believe what, what Kaepernick's saying business-wise, it's not even smart to side with it or say anything. You have to go against it because you want to keep your sales up. Still capitalism, man. But I'm not oh, going to no pat Nike, Nike on the back too hard for doing something that just makes total sense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, last but not least, you want to talk a little bit about the NBA Hall of Fame? Why not? You want to talk about it. And hey. I'm a team player. This, this is a good class we got going in this week, everybody. So the, the NBA Hall of Fame this week, uh, or is this week, this year's class um, includes Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, top five point guard all time, mm-hmm. Steve Nash, top ten point guard all time, and Ray Allen. Oh, wow. Um, and Ray Allen, uh, you know, top three shooter all time. So um, Really good class, man. I think you're going to start to see a lot of these classes start to really stack up over the next few years. Uh, but that's just the leaders of this of this 2018 class. Um, my favorite player growing up was Jason Kidd, and I think that's a little bit about why I want to talk about this. I, I've been a big Jason Kidd fan forever, so not the coach, <laughs> but uh, Jason He's Kidd the player coach. was bad, man. He's just stubborn. <laughs> He's just stubborn. As hell. Yeah. So, um, you know, glad to see that Jason Kidd's kind of leading that class. Um, if, if you want to go that way, I'd say he's the leader of that class. But either way, I, I think this is a great class going in, man. Anybody that wants to talk shit on Grant Hill, come see me, okay? Because little do y'all know before Grant Hill messed his ankle up, that dude was on. I, I might be in the minority, but Grant Hill was on his way to being one of the top ten to ever play the game. I mean, I agree. I mean, I remember when I was younger in Grant Hill's prime, the biggest debate and argument when you're building a team was always, do you go with Hill at power forward or do you go with Pippen at power forward? And that's like a heated debate. I mean, small forward. That was always a heated debate between everybody in our circle. Like, who do you go? You go Grant Hill, you go Pippen. Pippen got defense. Grant Hill could score, you know. So, I mean, I agree with that. I don't got much to say about the Hall of Fame just because I never really care about it. 
Um, I think I, that everybody deserves to be in. I don't have anything deep to say. But I know you wanted to get your Grant Hill and Jason Kidd thoughts out, so I'll let you go with this. Well, hold up. Now, I do agree that Steve Nash is a tad bit overrated, but are you, I mean, he is one of the top ten point guards of all time. You don't think that? Well, see, that's the problem with a Hall of Fame discussion is I don't think that anybody on this list, like, that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, you know yeah, no doubt like, about that. Everybody deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But I do believe Steve Nash was a bit overrated. Um, those two MVPs, one year I believe he stole it from Shaq, and one year I think he stole it from Kobe just yep. for the fact. But, man, that dude, I like Steve Nash. He's one of the best shooters, ball handlers, passers in the game. But the fact that he just dominated the ball so much that dribbling under the gold shit and that just annoys me, man. I hated that. Man, but you see that all the time. Kid did it. Rondo did it. I mean, there's there's a lot of dudes that do that. But most of them came after Steve Nash. Kid didn't do it a lot. Kid was more leading the fast break, pushing the fast break, going to get the rebound, pushing the ball. He didn't do a lot of dribbling around the goal like that. That came from Steve Nash. That's how Ron. That's those are padded stats. People talk about Westbrook. Hey, I don't even want to get started because it's going to be a passionate debate. But people talk about Westbrook padding stats. That's the what Steve Nash and Rondo does. That's the definition of padding stats. They would literally dribble to the goal, have a layup, dribble underneath the goal, make two people pick them up, then throw a oop to Amari Stoudemire or Kevin Garnett. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't I can't deny that, especially in the Rondo case, and yeah. he's admitted as much. Um, but you know, I, I agree. Um, that Steve Nash is overrated, but I, I think he's a top 10 point guard ever, but yeah, I think definitely. That Jason Kidd is probably about four or five spots ahead of him. Maybe, yeah, probably five or six. But uh, Well, you anyway. know the one of the reasons why I would take Kidd, oh, I mean, oh, Steve Nash over Jason Kidd is because if you say passing, then they're close. Anything that you say, they're close on except shooting. Steve Nash oh, is no literally one that. of the greatest shooters in the NBA. Wasn't he the no first to go like 90 I don't even know the stats. It was 90, like, 50. Durant did it a couple of times, but it's something like 50, 50, 90, and that's yeah. like 50% from the field, 50% from three, and 90% from the free throw line, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's no denying how great Steve Nash was. Um, but anyway, the re- only reason I wanted to bring it up, y'all are, are going to get to see a lot of this on NBA TV this week. So if you know, if you do find yourself with some downtime on Friday, Saturday before the college football, or if your team's not playing – um, tune in to NBA TV, man. You guys get to see how good Grant Hill was and kind of, you know, be nostalgic about how good these this Hall of Fame class was. So, um, other than that, man, that's it. That's all. That's all I got. All right. Well, make sure to check us out on Instagram. It's going to be at to the number smart dummies, D-U-M-M-I-E-S. We do a lot of videos and clips of the shows, and we have a lot of conversation on there. You can also, if you have more to say and want to let us know how we're idiots, you can check us out at <laughs> smartdummies2 at Gmail. So that's two smart dummies on Instagram. Our Gmail is smartdummies2 at Gmail. Hit us up. We're always, I'm always willing to argue. <laughs> I usually am. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. That's it. That's all. Hit us up on Instagram. Shoot us an email. Let us know what your thoughts are. Have a good week. Enjoy the kickoff. Peace. Peace.